are now listening to Enter VR, the podcast on all things virtual reality. I'm Chris Miranda, your host, and today I'm speaking with the legendary Carl Krantz and someone that I've been trying to have on this podcast for how many years now? John Oaks, the the unicorn, you're here. <laughs> the people everyone knows about, but you haven't, like, no one has listened to your voice on this podcast yet. So welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Awesome. I, great I'm to be really here. I'm not really here. I'm only virtually. <laughs> no, yeah, it's great, too. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so you guys are SVBR. You're part of the, you are like, yes. you guys are um, basically... You know the Rebel Alliance of virtual reality. Awesome. And this is and and, and shit is going down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, let's start with uh, let's start with CES or tell me uh, you guys just got back. You know how was it? You know what what are your impressions that you walked away from? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was awesome. We we took the whole team out. We had four of us. Uh, we drove out there, so we had our little bus trip out to CES and. Uh, and, uh, you know, CES is crazy. It gets bigger and bigger every year. Um, it was a little weird as far as VR is concerned this year. Um, tons of VR everywhere, all over CES. Yeah. Tons of new tech. Um, and even in areas that aren't about VR. Yeah, that was the thing I loved Especially in to areas see. that were not VR. Like, all Every car exhibitor had a VR Every car exhibitor. Headset. There was a whole booth <laughs> of uh, this Japanese company. I think it's a Japanese company that sells industrial robots. But nothing to do with VR at all. And their entire booth was a VR experience. Eight Vive stations they had set yep. up with green screen. We have green screen, mixed reality, and everything. Yeah, amazing. And, you know, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was impressive because that was the, the the most VR investment I've seen by a company at a trade show that is not trying to sell anybody on virtual reality itself. They were trying to sell industrial robots and using VR to do it. And I was like, yes, that's what we need to see. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we saw. You know, there was a, a lot of cool accessories. Um, so one thing we heard right before the show that HTC was not going to be sh showing Vive 2 or whatever, um, I think everyone was kind of hoping that would happen. Um, one thing that was notable, I'll say right off the bat, was none of the big three were really showing VR on the show floor. Uh, HTC had a suite, um, you know, on, at, at another hotel. Uh, Sony had PSVRs in their booth, but they didn't really, they were hidden in the back. They kind of downplayed it as they do every year. Um, they, they haven't really, you know, uh, flown the VR flag in their booth yet, which is huge. And, um, and Oculus didn't have a booth on the floor. They, they also had something in a suite. And, um, I think they probably individually had separate reasons for doing that. But I think, um, the fact that all three of them did that kind of shook the confidence of the VR community. I think that was yeah. there, the people there and felt a little weird about why are none of these guys showing, you know, what happened to VR. <laughs> the only, and the only Google daydream product I saw on the floor was in Huawei's booth and nobody there knew anything about it. Yeah. So, yeah, so the people that strange. really we expected to be flying the flag of VR at the show were not, and then a lot of other people were. Mm -hmm. So, um, interesting, though. I mean, there were a lot of cool things, though. Um, you know, I, I think now, we can... on the show floor, though, yeah. Intel had a fantastic VR showing. They had, yeah. <laughs> they had their own uh, alloy product mm -hmm. booths, and they had um, independent developers who were developing stuff for VR, that were on rifts and 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 um, 
vibes and and they were embracing that and just kind of you know as an architecture play so that was encouraging to see you know intel's getting serious about vr which is yep was it lenovo um that is partnered so I, I think i saw the headline lenovo released uh, uh images of a headset they partnered with microsoft for windows mm-hmm. 10 and it's like yeah a it was one of the windows holographic headsets the, the reason why that headset stood out was because they are it seems like they're looking at what works aesthetically and what works ergonomically um because right. they adopted the halo crown like yeah. thing from the psvr yeah um didn't it flip up there and it flipped another, up. Yeah, it flips yep. up. So kind of like uh, some of the some of the old ones from the '90s that flipped up, which is a great thing, I think. <laughs> so, so it's so that's so that's cool. So it was so Lenovo, Intel. Um, did Panasonic show up with anything, or are there any others? I didn't see anything. I didn't see it. You know, CES is so crazy that no one. You know, there are four of us there, and we tried to divide and conquer, and I think we probably saw a quarter of the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's um, insane. So yeah, there were probably things that we missed <laughs> what was the thing out there vr related or not that surprised you the most shocked you caught you off guard surprised me um well i mean i'll say the wireless stuff uh there was a number of folks showing yeah. wireless yeah and, and i learned about six there's six of them yeah there's six companies chasing wireless vr which is great yeah because at least one of them is going to be awesome right yeah so we we tried a couple of them and they work um yeah yeah, i mean they work they're they're you know they're not they weren't completely flawless but um it it seems like wireless is here or it's going to be here very soon which is great um at the same time, suddenly everyone has a backpack PC for VR, so go figure, because, you know, mm-hmm. when you have a backpack, you don't need wireless or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I'll say, I'll just di- jump right in. My favorite thing that I saw um, was the um, the High Five glove from Noe Tom. Yeah, that was uh, really yeah. cool. Um, so Noe Tom came out to our conference last year and showed their project Alice, uh, which is, you know, kind of high end for out of home, uh, you know, tracking system and, uh, you know, multi, uh, multi-user tracking system. And their, their glove seemed to be an extension of that. And, um, but now working with the Vive, um, and the new, uh, the tracker, the HTC tracker. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it just worked awesome. It was, you know, it, it had none of the disadvantages that these optical hand tracking systems have, like, really? you know, occlusion or anything. So your hands are always there. Oh. And it was like hands that were 100%. Um, and, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm yeah. super wow. excited to get the VR one. glove is VR legit. glove is here. Like every, I've seen every VR glove that has come out. And, and this is the one. This is the one that, this is the one I would use. This yeah. is the one I would use. Yeah, it was just rock solid. Yeah. It, it works behind your back. It doesn't have to reacquire the image when it comes in front of your face. You know, it works behind your head. It's and in general, the, the whole the lighthouse tracking opening up to the the, the VR ecosystem is. Yeah. I mean, that this is part of it because they use that. Yeah. Um, and in the HTC booth, we saw some like I tried the fire hose demo, which was you know a very it's actually a very simple implementation, but it was great and it just showed like how much the lid is going to be blown off VR experiences by being able to bring in these specialized props and things for enterprise training, gaming, social. I mean, I can't, I can't wait to put a tractor on my Roomba, you know, and, yep. and, and or my dog, you know, and all that. 
the I folks from Trinity were there showing a bat, like for you know, oh, baseball nice. players to yeah. train with and using the tracker. I mean, it also just showed, you know, the benefits of an open ecosystem like that where, you know, people can make specialized and, hardware and we don't expect one company to solve every problem. Problem, So we just, you know, they're providing um, the, tools that everyone can use and let the industry figure it all out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the applications like that Trinity one is amazing because what he's doing is like they're using it to like do deep learning analysis of, of baseball players wow like because you really because you totally get the the motion of the swing and you can capture that and figure out which batter is going to do better against which pitcher and have like this huge database of things and that's just like what in the last in a couple of months they figured that out yeah Jeez. So, yeah and it was great to see you know trinity has been a, a startup that's been in the space i believe you've yep. had them on after vr I've, I've and seen trinity they've been plenty. in the space for you know years now it's great to see them evolving and pivoting and adjusting to the uh, changing uh, industry now i need your i need to know your thoughts on this if i'm a vr backpack creator um what am i reading from this ces am i am i racing against time against you know like headsets that are going to be untethered very soon is this is this one of those ideas where it's like uh you know it was great a year ago but now we're seeing you know five years like five years from now you're not going to be around like i I don't know what do you what do you think about that like that's it seems to me like there's going to be some sort of friction that needs to be worked out there yeah i think there'll probably be some use cases where the backpack still makes sense or Mm -hmm. where you can't use wireless technology for whatever reason but, um, yeah, honestly, I think that wireless will get here just as the backpacks kind of hit the market. <laughs> and they won't be at least as necessary. Yeah. Um, now, let me go back I to I would that. rather have wireless than wear a backpack. I'll say that. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Yeah, I agree. The only thing I the, – the use case I can imagine is that if you're really in a constrained space and you want to do room scale and you literally don't want to have a table in your room to put your laptop or your PC on – there's an argument, but yeah. And if you're going out doing demos, maybe you want to show up at a meetup. You just wear your backpack. You yeah. wear your PC on your back, and, and now the battery it's power, super you know, easy. Battery power is a thing, I guess. I guess it, you know, a year, like you said, a year ago, I would have, I would have killed for one. It would have been amazing. But now the 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 level of value has gone down tremendously. I think. So, what's another thing in that same category? That you guys are witnessing, you know, a year ago you would have been like, yeah, this is this this makes sense, but you know, it's it seems like the VR tech is not slowing down. It's it's just accelerating oh, yeah, the pace of innovation. Yeah. Um, so while you think about that, I, I have I have I have thoughts and questions about the VR glove itself. Because when you when you wore it at CES, you know, were you thinking about like, all right, when the rubber meets the road? You know, how am I going to use this in tilt brush? How am I going to use this in medium? Or how am I going to, like, you know, work with it? You know, were you guys thinking about, like, how will implementation in UI look like with a glove versus motion controllers? I feel like all, for the longest time I wanted a glove and then I got used to motion controllers mm-hmm. and now I don't know whether I want gloves now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I honestly could see a case where you're wearing a glove and also holding a motion controller because, yeah. oh. um, you know, certain use cases. I mean, you know, we say we don't paint with our fingers. We paint with a paintbrush because the tool gives us, you know, lets us uh, leverage, you know, the, we can get gives precision. You more rotation without having to move your hand. You know, you can move your wrist and have a much bigger speed. Yeah. That said, they had their one of their demo apps was kind of a tilt brush style drawing with your with your hands and where you were adjusting the brush size on one side, you know, by moving your fingers apart on one hand and you were painting like this and it worked 
you know, really well. Wow, finger painting and yeah, so I guess finger painting, 3D finger painting is a thing. But, <laughs> uh, grabbing things, having my uh, in, uh, my hands in in VR be you know um, subtly visible. I mean, just talk. I mean, nobody's looking at me right now, but I talk with my hands. So like a lot yeah. of emotion comes through with my hands and and so that part of social vr and interaction and if i'm teaching you something i can point all that stuff yeah you can you do get somewhat with a controller but it's so much more with your with your full palm and yeah your, you're going to get richer communication yeah. when you have all five fingers to move and they can all be doing different things than you would with you know just your squeezing trigger you know or your like three finger positions you can get with the touch Nice. Yeah, and because touch is great for that as well. But yeah, it gives you a little bit, like yeah. that next level. Yeah, this just gives you a lot more. Yeah, this 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 these this news about the HTC tracker um, leads me to believe that Oculus is playing a bit of a catch-up game with Vive. Um, is there is the, the is, was there an indication at CES that Oculus is reacting or you know playing that game or are they are they tooting to the sound of their own horn? Um, <laughs> will not count oculus out of anything for a long time i mean i think because touch is good because mm -hmm. the look at the market the market they're serving and the market they're targeting is very well served by touch mm -hmm. because you can you can have a really satisfying touch experience in a much smaller space you don't need a 15 by 15 foot space it'll go room scale it kind of covers it all that presents challenges for developers to know how to write their software but um, but in terms of their market, I think that's it's it's good, and they have the resources to do whatever the market wants them to do. But they're they're now they're a big giant company. It probably you know takes them a little time to figure out which way to go. But when they go that way, I think they have the resources to do whatever they need. Mm -hmm. That said, I mean Lighthouse is is just a, so it's a great technology that's easy to implement. Just put up two lasers and you know put up eight, 10, 12 tracked things in a room um, and you're, you're good to go today. So, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so Oculus isn't out. I think for some applications, um, for enterprise applications, I think HTC has an edge right now. Uh, for that kind of for that very and for specialty applications because yeah you yeah. can develop custom hardware but yeah, it's like I think we need both you know it's this kind of uh, it, right now um, you know Steam VR and and the Vive it is the more open ecosystem than Oculus mm -hmm. um, but there's a there's a place for both right you're you're your kind of more controlled tighter ecosystem allows you to get user experience a lot better and tighter from the start. So it has its advantages as well. So they could make something that is more like, more consistent and more like a console experience, at least for developers. Mm -hmm. Oculus can do, whereas um, you know the the open ecosystem has to account for the fact that you know people could be doing all sorts of crazy things, and it might not be what the developers expected. <laughs> and you got to consider, like, right now we're not we're not fighting over a mature market. Mm -hmm. like, you know, Apple's out there waiting in the wings, sitting back, stroking their beards, going, okay, yeah. what's the market going to be? And we're going to come in and, like they did with the phones, and we're going to, like, just squash everybody they're going to try, right? So, and Oculus is kind of in the same boat of, of saying, okay, you know, we've got our however many, half million, million users out there, whatever the number is, but that's not the market. The market's... 200 million or a billion users long term. I mean, that's their 10-year plan. So, 
they don't need to commit to a strategy just yet. They can see what works. They can see, but NHTC is in the same boat. Everybody is kind of an experimenting phase. They're looking for that market niche that's going to help them advance their brand and advance their market share. But we don't know what the winner looks like in VR yet, in yeah. my opinion. We and don't, we don't know, know what they have up their sleeve. Uh, yeah. You know, Oculus has some of the smartest VR <laughs> scientists in the world. And so does Valve, and, and so does yeah. Google, so, yeah. and, and so does and, Apple. And, yeah, and, and a lot of these companies have massive resources and labs doing things that we have no idea. So, <laughs> so help me define the VR winter, because it seems like it's a term that has been thrown around here and there, and it feels like it's here, or it's coming, or, you know, what... Help me help me understand this this thing. Are you talking about like the you know that the the sales fell short of expectations? So is that what the VR winter is considered? It's going to be a a, a a a point in time where VR expectation sales are going to be really low? Or well, I think having having last year having been doing like an independent VR developer startup. We were all kind of doing this crazy math in our heads of there's going to be millions of people in VR in 2016 mm -hmm. that we were expecting. I mean, going back to 2015, we were expecting in, in Christmas of 2015 that the Rift was going to be out the door. The vibe wasn't on our radar yet, all right? We didn't, I mean, up until just a little bit before that, we didn't even know it existed. So we thought 2015... Uh, was gonna was gonna launch Christmas was gonna sell a million units because they were making all these comparisons to the iPhone and I think a lot of people built their business models around that so when it didn't happen and April came around and there were some shipping problems and it kind of trickled out some people were gonna run out of money uh, the market is not here yet it's coming yeah but at the same time you know if you look at the the stats people are buying VR software I mean I can look at the Steam, the Steam DB, you know, it's not a completely reliable source, but it's a pretty good data point of sales. We're seeing like Alchemy posting; they made, they've sold three million dollars worth of uh, um, Job Simulator, and that's that's pretty good. I mean, you look, we divide that by the number of people who have VR, that's that's a pretty good market penetration for now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it never. It was never going to take off as fast as people wanted it to. People got excited, and I think you know, really excited for a little while, and and kind of went a little too far with how fast it's going to take off, and and especially mobile. I think because I, I you know, in my opinion, I've said this before, mobile is not not ready, right? It won't be ready until we have six degrees of freedom. It's not good enough. I mean, the high end VR, in my opinion, is barely good enough for consumers, and yeah. maybe not yet, hmm. and the low end definitely not. Um, and I, you know, I don't think there's a big rush. Um, I think VR is a very different technology, and I honestly think that we we have some growing up to do as as a society to learn how to use a, new, a technology that's potentially this disruptive, because you know, it really it, it really is a powerful technology. We need to learn how to. Where people are slow to adopt their adapt their. Uh, their social norms with these new technologies and figure out how it fits into their lives. I mean, we're still figuring out how VR fits into our lives. It's not the same as a video game console. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, <clears throat> the way a lot of people do use games is at the very end of the day, they're tired, they plop down on the couch and zone out and play some games. But you, it's not the same with VR. You don't zone out in VR. You have to get up, you're active, you're moving around. The usage patterns are going to be very different. I don't think we've really figured that out yet. I don't want VR to be in every home right away because I don't think we're ready for that. 
That is um, extremely profound to think about. The just because you're, you're like, wow, yeah, VR is not is not it's not like a PS4. It's not like um, it's not like having a laptop. It's a whole different thing. It's like going to work out. And none yeah. of us. Going to, it's like going to the gym to work out. Yeah, it, I'm out of breath when I get out of VR. <laughs> it really I mean, is. Put yourself in that mindset tired. of like, <laughs> my uh, arms yeah. hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it's pleasant. It's like it's it is yeah, like it's I think fun. it's like going to the gym because you know you're home. There's a lot of inertia, and 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 that's something we have to overcome right now. And I experience it too, and I love VR. Every time I do something in VR, I spend 15 minutes, half an hour, two hours in VR. I love it. I'm so happy with it. But I think we all experience this. It's it takes some mental energy and some physical energy to, you know, clear out your room space, little do that, and get in because it's more active, more physical, more engaged, more mentally challenging. Because you're not just looking at a screen of a spaceship and 2D. You're in a spaceship flying through asteroids or having a sword fight or having a gunfight. Those are mentally challenging. Your brain's doing spatial work your body's moving your brain is telling your body to move and it's a different level of emotional engagement it's harder it's harder on the human being but it's also more rewarding just like going to the gym people go to the gym all the time they go oh, i feel great but yet most people are easy to, it's easy to blow off the gym so what gets you going there is the is the the pattern of behavior the reward which I think in our case is going to, in VR is going to be social and functional in terms of what you can get done and the emotional hit of having a really great intense gaming experience or a social experience or work experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a cultural shift. I mean, and the PC was like that too, man. I'm old enough to remember in 80, 81, 82, the PC was in the in the dad's den and you had like one game and you had to wait and you had to like go and it was like a whole ritual of loading up the game from the floppies so you could play it i mean and now it's a totally different thing because now you just get on steam you click you go you're done you fly your console you know you're done or on the cons- early console days you had to like argue with your parents to like get time on the tv that was your tv time mm-hmm. to play video games anyway point is vr is a different thing it's not a pc game it's not a console game it's actually doing something in the world that is um, impacts you in a totally different way, yeah. and so we're gonna have to teach people about that. Yeah, it's, um, it's but we're gonna win because it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's but but there, the struggle is 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 in also trying to figure out a way to like uh, uh, should we appeal to the people that actually just want to come home and just relax? You know, is is there value in also providing VR experiences that are meditative and relaxing? Oh, and, and, I, I, and and then that's microdose the thing about VR, man. My, <laughs> microdose. <laughs> that's a great experience. I'm telling you, it, it was insane, wasn't it? Yeah, it I blew just me away every time it. I do micro. Uh, yeah, it's oh, holy shit. The mind of Android Jones. Holy yeah. shit. Um, but how do we teach people? Because it seems like, it seems like, you know, we're learning as we go along. You know, how do we know whether what we learn is actually true? And how do we know whether it's worth sharing? You know, what is that process looking like for you guys? Yeah, I don't know. I think we're still learning ourselves and we're like deeply immersed in VR every day and have been for years here. So I don't know that we know the answers yet and that anyone really knows. Um, I think it's really you just have to watch behavior, watch the behavior of people around you. Um, you know, we, we really try to pay attention to, you know, these things, how people are using it and the user experience of VR and, and the patterns. Um, 
but I don't think we have the answers yet. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> no, there's some constants, like because you know I have I have kids in my house and I have their friends come over, and um, you know I see people in their 30s and 40s kind of enjoy VR, but but a, but a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a mental leap to like go, oh wow, oh, wow, there's a whale in my face, you know, and they kind it's kind of a big thing to get the head around. 10-year-old to 15-year-old kids just, like, slap it on. Within five minutes, they're switching games, playing Space Pirate. They're jumping around. They're, like, into it. They're, like, just, you know, that that kid energy of, of adaption is really powerful. And year by year, those kids are going to get older. They're going to get more disposable income. They're going to get more demand for, for content, and that's going to start driving the market. Just like, you know, kids didn't drive the adoption of the iPhone or the iPad initially, but man, they sure did like three to five years into that. Mm-hmm. And now they're, I would say, you know, teenagers and iPhones and smartphones, that's like, that's who they're marketing to. Yeah. It wasn't originally, you know, that, that, that's where it went to. I think VR is going to be the same thing. So it seems like you guys are sort of... Um you have your expectations in a state of flux as the years go by you know what are your expectations for you know what are your expectations for this year's you know how vr year in vr like what what do you you know how many sales do you think these headsets are going to do um you know anything that you are expecting that will you know that should arise in 2017 in particular i well i don't know it's hard. It's a hard one because we don't have good data to base it off of. But I think, um, you know, I think that now that Touch is out, Oculus is going to see a bump from where they were uh, because I think that's a really good total experience. I think Vive's coming out with the new, uh, you know, with their trackable devices and their new wireless and their new head strap and all that is going to, like, incrementally increase demand, new content, mm-hmm. thousand, there's a thousand VR titles you can wow. play right on now. Steam. Yeah, right? <sighs> now, I don't know how many of them I'll get around to playing already, but but there's some really good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'll say there's something there, though, in that, you know, when there's a thousand titles, I feel like it's a lot easier to try a thousand titles on a PC than it is to try a thousand... VR titles, you know, because there is kind of yeah. an emotional barrier. It's right. harder to try them. Yeah. I think discover solving the discovery problem in VR is more important than it is in other areas because it just it's so much. You know, it's a, by by the nature of being so immersive, it's more time consuming mm. to try something. So I think it's a lot more important important to solve the discovery problem, um, which I think also needs a lot of work. Yeah. I, I think it's it's more than just seeing a you know a picture of the cover of whatever the game is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in, is are we um, is someone gonna die in 2017? Are we gonna have the first death in VR uh, or or not? Are we is, are we gonna well, be able to? What do you mean like? I mean, the more people that use VR, the more chances someone's bound to die in it, right? The more we get out there. I mean, I mean that goes with anything, I guess. So, um, I guess, Um, but we should apologize in advance for whoever dies. Um, We didn't mean to murder. We didn't mean to. Yeah, Yeah, but the thing is, I don't think VR is going to kill them. I think stupidity, stupidity is going to kill them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they're gonna. You know, somebody's going to put somebody in VR. Okay. So one thing I do want to guard against in 2017 because now we have. A lot of new users out there and in the early days we were all really careful about safety hygiene get oriented people make sure they had a good experience mm. now we've got that second tier of people who just went out to best buy bought a vr and they're gonna throw 
Mm. They're going to throw grandma into uh, what a roller coaster or something horrible, and she's going to fall over and break a hip. Yep. We got to really like, I think, Pushing health and safety, safety and social factors, yeah. or or slapping your buddy on the head because he's in VR and can't see you. All that stupid stuff that people try to do. We really got to like set the culture that that's not cool mm-hmm. because. It is a vulnerable position. You're in another place, and you know yeah, you, you kind of right. you can you can mess with people, and you can make them really uncomfortable, and that's not good for them, and it's not good for the industry, and it, it's really something for people to be aware of. And I want to. That's something I'm really strong on. Going back to CES, I got to say yeah. we we have to like we have to do a better job. And in fact, I want to reach out to the CES people and maybe <laughs> demo etiquette and hygiene etiquette, yes. and demo environment is really important. Not so much for your home life, because that's good, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, if you're sharing a headset with thousands of people, like you have a responsibility to make sure that you're not passing communicable diseases on that headset. And mm-hmm. almost nobody was doing hygiene, was cleaning their headsets yeah. at CES, which is insane. <laughs> because, like, you know, it just takes one person with pink eye or some, you know, some sort of... There are there are plenty of things that could be spread from a so, headset. A headset needs to be clean, use alcohol, use something... <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, what the big, fuck? Big, big <laughs> companies that should know better, that should have people that yeah. know better, and lawyers looking at things they do. We're we're you know sharing eye germs by you know by having VR demos and not wiping them in between. Um, it was it. kind of upsetting actually to see that at CES. Wow. Um, so we so we had some work to do, but that's why yeah. we're here. Yeah. That's yeah. why we get up in the morning and talk to people about VR all day. <laughs> It's such an awesome job. Uh, so I, I actually want to talk more about SVBR. How is SVBR coming along? Tell, tell me, give, give me, give, give me this feel. Yeah. I want to be educated. Yeah, I'll update you. It's probably been a good year or so since we've been on here. So SVBR is uh, we're growing. Um, we are now we have four people now on the team full time. Um, and a bunch of other people who help out here and there. Nice. Um, we're ramping up for the SVBR 2017 conference um, back at San Jose Convention Center. Um, we're right now, uh, yeah, lining everyone up, lining up speakers and and getting everyone on board. But we fully expect to once again bring the most company, the most VR companies in one place together um, ever. Um, every year we've hit that goal and we intend to hit that goal again this year. Uh, we are not going for mass numbers. We're going for the right environment for networking, um, uh, for VR professionals, people that are passionate about this industry and just want to push the needle forward on VR. If you're working in VR or, or or looking for people working in VR, developer, content creator, then you should definitely come to the SVBR conference because it is the best networking in VR. Um, we had someone, we were, we were asking for quotes um, from people around, around SVBR and we had a great quote from uh, Shauna Heller, uh, former Oculus um, developer, um, uh, develop, developer relations, uh, relations um, said that we are the CES of VR. And I love mm-hmm. that because that's what we want to be. We want to be the place where you know all the verticals come together around this technology. Um, so yeah, we have the conference coming up. Um, awesome. Um, yeah, go to vrexpo.com and check that out. Um, where we are tickets should be on sale by the time this podcast is out if you want to exhibit definitely exhibit we're going to have you know over 200 vr companies on the expo floor and a lot of international presence 
And um, beyond that, uh, we are sitting here doing this podcast mm-hmm. in the new SVVR studio location in San Carlos. So we just moved into the space uh, a few weeks ago, literally. We're still setting it up and painting and organizing it. But the space um, allows us to have a permanent home for the VR museum. So we have our museum set up downstairs. We have a showroom for VR technology. Um, and we have a mixed reality event space. So uh, we're really excited about doing, um, we'll, we'll be doing some meetups in-house. Um, they're going to get a little smaller because we can't hold 400 people in here, but we can maybe squeeze 100 people or 70 people or something. Um, and um, But really what we're excited about is it's going to allow us to take our meetups beyond the real world and into the virtual worlds by having permanent setups here where we can bring in people in, you know, we high fidelity, alt space, um, Sansar when it comes out, VR chat, all of these virtual worlds and platforms that we want to connect to our events. So super excited about that. We've been playing with the mixed reality. We've got our green screen mixed reality set up here in the space. Um, that's... We think that's super important for VR in general because that's how people that aren't in VR get to experience VR at least yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, there's so many questions yeah, I want to ask. A billion you. things. There's a billion there. things. Um, <laughs> uh, first, uh, how how are you deciding which companies get to come? Two hundred companies. It's a lot of companies, but there's a fuck ton more VR companies in the world right now. Yeah. I, I wonder how. What is your like? you know, uh, selection process look like? Um, so for companies, we are, o- we are open for companies. Um, if a company is willing to pay, we'll have them there unless they've really given if themselves v- a terrible reputation. Yeah. If they're VR and you know, yeah. yeah, if they're VR, cause like, like CES, we want to be a place where you can try everything. One of the reasons that we think it's actually, so maybe not every company makes the best, you know, you, we've all tried headsets that are just like ridiculous. And we're like, how, how are you guys making such a bad headset when Oculus is out there making such a great headset. Don't you guys have an Oculus? You should try it. And then you know what a good one tries feels like and make yours like that. And if it's not that good, don't bother. Right? Um, we one, one of the things I think that's good about bringing the companies that are maybe not doing the, the best work into our environment is that our community will say, hey, this sucks. Huh. Do better. And then VR gets better in general. So, you know, it, it, it's good to get them there and expose them to, you know, the best <laughs> and get and. these people involved. Mm-hmm. And you never know who's, you know, there could be a, you know, a company that's making a crappy HMD, but they've come up with an amazing solution for the head strap or right. some other thing. That's and we say, want like, that broad diversity. Um, yeah, we've I don't want to get into yeah. specifics, but there's people that have like found niches and they kind of come at it like we're going to go after the, the whole industry, but then they find a niche that they're really good at yeah. and, and they excel at that. And I think when you look at VR, we think tend to think of VR as just like the battle between HTC and, and Oculus and then there's mobile, but really VR is kind of like the early, early days of the PC marketplace. There is a solution for every application and it's getting better every six months. So I think there's tons of room for innovation. I think it's great for companies, especially from overseas, to come over to see the market, um, to get connected and find out what's really going on because it's the place, only place I've ever seen, even before I got involved with SVR directly, the only place I've ever seen where um, you really get a, a bird's eye view of the entire VR landscape as it is at that moment in time. Yeah, and all verticals. We're all not verticals, specializing on just gaming, but we're, we, we include all verticals. It's really, I mean, it's really. I'm a I'm a fan as as well as a a member of the team now. But uh, but just that it 
it's the only place where you can really just kind of look out and see what everybody's doing all at once and get a really good feel for where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So we like all, all of them. Yeah. That said, we do have all the high-quality folks are at SVVR. You know, right from the beginning, we've had Oculus and and um, Sony, PlayStation, and HTC, and, and Valve, and all these guys get involved in our conference in one way or another. All the quality folks are there. Yeah. And then, you know, every year there's some surprise company, you know, that, that shows up, too. Um, you know, we, we love having overseas companies because we don't see them all the time and you know also we want to you know dispel you know there there has been some sense that you know some some of the companies from china are not good the best one of the best things at our conference last year was from a chinese company was noe tom showing their project alice i mean uh, most of the people that wrote about the conference listed that as their favorite experience you wow. know really high quality work so we want to you know sh- we want to show that there's great work being done in across the world and get them all here this is yeah i'm so excited i can't wait um svvr to me uh if i can add my two cents of fanboyism i uh, I, it's the place where um i found it um to be the place where you can find the true believers we're like we're like it's like you know there's a lot of places where where you can you get you find a lot of enthusiasm about vr but you don't but but the to the degree of true believers and people who are fucking nuts that you want to be surrounded by <laughs> that like you only get that 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 quality that caliber as VBR. So so keep doing it. I don't know what you're doing, but please keep doing that because otherwise this community this industry wouldn't be the same. It, it would be completely different dif- different world different universe awesome. if you guys weren't around and it wouldn't be a good one either. Awesome. <laughs> well, I still remember you raising your hand at, at the at an SV, early SVVR meetup being like, I'm thinking about doing a podcast about VR. Do you think anyone would be interested? Well, and nobody like, had done a podcast. Like that. The way you just said it sounded like it was a question. He stood up and he says, I am going. Yeah. I don't know anything about VR and I'm going to dedicate my life to VR. Yeah. I wish I had that on and, film. And everyone was like, yes, do it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, and there you are. And you've Here been doing it for years now. And now, so. years later. <laughs> It now enter VR is the podcast for the underground. We've we've gone underground. We it's it's a podcast for. I this this is where I, I I've I've come to realize I want to do this podcast for you ten years from now. So you want to so John Oaks ten ten years from now you want to wonder like what was I thinking ten years ago? Yeah. Who was I ten years ago? So this is this is a podcast for you guys. I feel like awesome. you know this is uh, and, and and for me in a way because it's like we're breathing air filled with history. Like holy fuck! Like history is in the air. You go to these conferences, you go to these meetups. Like there's this feeling that there's something happening here that hasn't happened before, and it is gonna change a lot of things. I don't know what what it is, but it's just um, it's super exciting. It just it keeps me coming back. Let me ask you about mixed reality because I'm very perplexed. I'm very interested, and I want to know what you guys are finding out about it. Like is it is it as hyped up as it is to be is it you know where, where are you guys finding mixed reality to be really find it's it's good use uh well I mean, let's clarify what you mean by mixed reality so do you yeah. mean like the like um green screen video, yes. basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah so what i mean is uh mixed reality is when um people can see uh the person in vr yeah. while they're in vr like you've seen those youtube yeah. videos so yeah yeah exactly so yeah so because you know we also we also often use it to talk about you know doing an event for example is something we're passionate about doing events both in the real world and in virtual reality at the same time so that's a mixed reality event for us but it's not it's not the green screen style mixed reality that's a different type of thing mm. um 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it is um, certainly worth the hype it gets because it is. It's literally the best and only way to get people who are not inside the headset any sense of what it's like to be in that experience and what they're seeing. And even then, you don't get the full experience, but it's really, I mean, it's it's the best we can do, and it's great. It doesn't work for everything. It's not, it doesn't make a lot of sense um, in, in experiences where the avatar plays an important role or in, like, some of these social virtual spaces where you, you're, you're really not you, you're the avatar. And that's part of the experience is that you become someone else. And in that, maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not, you know, it's not for everything, um, but it is yeah. super useful. <laughs> uh, I, I think mixed reality is, is, as it is right now, is going to evolve. But as it is right now, it is the best marketing tool we have to communicate VR yeah, yeah. to the uninitiated. Because as we know, we're doing this, you can't describe VR for somebody until you put that headset on their face. And that's a one-at-a-time experience. And it works. Um, and uh, who's Greg, Greg Castle is one of the, he's, uh, was one of the investors in Oculus, told me, give me this term, um, contact, am I going to screw this up? Contact conversion. Basically, like, one-on-one -on -one contact conversion. So everybody, we got to go out, put HMDs on their face, and convert them one by one. But mixed reality, like, and I got to say, the, the even though uh, Fantastic Contraption Guys, Northway, um, made kind of like broke broke that mm -hmm. the thing that I always show people is the one that Valve did that the kind of the three minute launch video for the Vive with the green screen you you've seen it it's the one where they have all the with chat in there uh. introducing the the people and they and I show that to people and like wow that's what VR is so it's a way for all these people to kind of get a vision of oh I'm in another place doing another thing apart from this environment that I'm in, and um, that's really good. Now, where it's going to go, I think it's going to revolutionize um, things like eSports, mm -hmm. and there's going to, and we're already seeing, you know, things like people are going to go on adventures, and people are going to watch them like TV shows, and <coughs> you know, think about like some game like Skyrim in VR, and there's going to be like, your friends are going to get together, and other people are going to watch you do battles in VR, and it's going to be exciting, because I'm going to see my friend Chris swinging a sword in VR, fighting a dragon, and it's going to be really enjoyable for me, right? And I think those kind of things are going to happen. We haven't seen that kind of multiplayer thing yet, but that's coming. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be, you know, Mixed Reality come back the other way, it's going to be a way for virtual people to come into our physical world and project onto a screen or some form and we're going to be able to have interactions like that so mm. um it's like first first person experience is the vr the mm -hmm. second person experience where i get to like watch my friends is is the mixed reality and maybe you know and the, the third person is more like a broadcast screen where i'm watching people superimposed in vr and and that's kind of the more distant thing but it's still going to be very compelling and um I think it's going to get really, really, really good. Do you guys know of any companies that are like selling mixed reality services right off the get-go? Like that's all they do? I mean, can you monetize? Can you make money off of selling mixed reality services? It seems like the marketing potential is there, but I just, I don't, I'm not aware of any company that is specializing just mixed yeah, reality. I, th I think our, you know, in, 
in um, in the context of a trade show, um, definitely. Um, you know, I think it's going to be the the probably the standard way that people do a, a booth, at least if you're showing content mm-hmm. um, at trade shows. Uh, you know, in a few years, I think we'll, we'll get to that, and I think we'll see a bunch of companies popping up doing that, and uh, I'm sure there are some already. Um, and then, as far as you know, like you know, services, renting studio space, that's something that we're, we're working on here in our new space here is trying to explore whether that's something you can monetize. And, and, um, and I, and I imagine that I don't think maybe on the software side, there will be too many opportunities. I know a couple of folks are working on projects, but I think this will just get built into the software. Like I, I believe steam has already said they're building this in. Wow. So it'll just you know, steam VR, or if you're using uh, open VR, it'll just, You'll just have mixed reality capabilities. So, and then now the tracker makes it super easy to, you know, set up a the camera. So you need to track your camera when you're doing mixed reality. So, before the before the trackers that were announced, we were strapping controllers onto our cameras with duct tape and Velcro, and it's kind of goofy. So there'll probably be some specialized accessories around it. And then there's you know a lot of things people can do on the software side as far as like uh, applying lighting from the engine onto the real person and things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think oh, the yeah. um, the composting will move into the software itself um, as opposed you know right now it's done post. I don't think yeah. that's necessary. So, I mean, Alchemy's working on this, right? We know that I mean, they've got a beta going where they've got some some dynamic lighting baked in and. And yeah. I'd love to see what they're working there. I'm sure they're going to come with something amazing. Yeah, and we've I, seen a few more, too, that we yeah. can't really talk about yet. But other people are also working on this kind of thing. And I think there'll be some open source projects soon as well out there. Nice. So you guys have, of all the people in the world, I think you guys are the two most, you're the first people I, I go to if I want to get a sense um, for what is the overall um I'm using a big word, zeitgeist of the VR community, um, or or like the overall sentiment or the overall notions that the VR community has. You know, like you know, what, what sorts of, you know, going into 2017, like what do you, how do you see the VR community's, um, you know, hive mind looking like? Is it like, a, is it healthy? Are, are people worried about not making rent? Are people worried about? Uh, are people excited about this year? What, what do you guys sense? Uh, I'll say that um, definitely a lot of the people that got into this early are are have run out of money, or they're running out of money, and the market's not there yet, and they were expecting it to be there, and they you know went all in on it, hoping they could, assuming they could be making a living by now, and now they can't. So um, unfortunately, yeah, we are seeing some some of the early companies shutting down, even ones that seem like they had great products. Um, just uh, you know, they're out of money, can't raise another round at the valuation they want, and they're or or they don't want to raise or give up equity or whatever, and they just give up. Um, we've seen, yeah, we've seen that. There's definitely um, some stress going on, I think, in the people that have been in this space for a long time because the market's not there yet and they're out of money and they have to figure out how to survive. But mm-hmm. um, they would, you know, these are all lessons we all have to learn anyway. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, w- I would say though, there's more new energy and excitement coming in than there are older people getting jaded. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's not going to affect the overall feel of the VR industry. I think it's still very positive and excited and everyone's really amped up about the future. And there's, you know, constantly new people coming into the space, mm-hmm. bringing their energy and, and ideas. And, you know, eventually the stuff will start to stick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
it's kind of a visual analogy, but I was thinking like, you know, you know, we're all, we've all been in this early and, um, and it is going to take a while, but it is growing. I mean, there's literally billions of dollars of investment that have been tagged to put into VR companies that's still there. They're still, and VCs come to us all the time, like we're looking to invest, but they're, they're being more cautious now because they know what works, what doesn't work, what a good team looks like, what a good marketing approach looks like. So they're being a little more reserved. Whereas I think early on they were just like, anyone doing any, VR, I'll invest. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we literally last year at some point had you know people from China coming over going, who can I invest in VR? Like, yeah. I would just like to give them money, and that was yeah. great. Anyone, uh, but but uh, <laughs> now I think that that has changed, and that's yeah. good because that was unhealthy. That's why you have headlines like ninety percent of Chinese VR companies got a business. Well, those probably weren't solid business models to begin with. It's not a panacea. It's not like an instant get rich quick team. Yeah, VR is not hard. Room for nine hundred cardboard clones. Yeah, world, VR is so. VR is, <laughs> is, is, a, is hard. <laughs> yeah. Creating content takes time. Um, you still have to you create the content, you still have to find your audience and market it and sell and remember to, you know, pay your engineers and your marketing team and it takes time to get that pipeline going and and it's not going to be easy, but for the people who make it through this contraction period, which I think is like the initial hype has worn off, and now we have people who are working and starting to build a business, it, they're gonna they're they're in the right position to continue to grow along with the industry. And when it hits that inflection point and the hockey stick curve starts going up, those are the companies um, that are going to be the next the next big ones. And I think uh, I think it's going to be a VR company or AR company that's going to give you know Google and Facebook and those guys a run for the money. That's why Google and Facebook are. That's why Facebook bought Oculus. Mm -hmm. That's why Google has bought a lot of other companies, a lot of other content because they know um, that it's coming from this. This is the next competing platform. The web was the last one. Mobile actually, mobile was the last one. The web was before that. Maybe ISPs were before that. This is the next one, and. Maybe the last one for a while. Mm -hmm. And what advice could you or would you give to uh, a team that is uh, trying to break into the industry right now? You know, what new information should they be equipped with to be successful this year? Whether it's in raising capital, whether it's in navigating the marketplaces or the industry. Um, you know, is there any new advice that you can give them that you wouldn't have given them a year ago, or or the is is you know the same advice that we've been uh, or tips and practical tips, you know, are, are they do they still stand today? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say it's it's really. I mean, it's not really new advice, but it's just more important than ever that you can be nimble and that you can adapt and change um, quickly. Or if you're if you're tackling a problem and you're not getting the traction that you're expecting. Um, and, and you do believe the market is there already for what you're doing. Um, you know, keep trying, keep tackling the problem. Just because you're, you're the, the solution you started with doesn't work doesn't mean the problem wasn't a valid one to solve. I mean, this is this is one thing that I, I'm often kind of get frustrated with investors is because you'll see sometimes an awesome team tackling an awesome problem that is, you know, clearly needs a solution 
And just because they haven't started with the final, you know, the, the perfect solution doesn't mean that they won't get there if they keep at it. I mean, you know, there's plenty of things that take many, many iterations before they get right. Mm-hmm. And I think having, you know, the right team on the right problem is, um, you know, almost enough. Eventually they'll get it. Um, I, I, I wouldn't look for any kind of polished baked solution right now that's perfect because you know none of this stuff is perfect and even if it is it's changing really fast i mean i mean if you think about if you were developing software um you know vr software two years ago you were not developing for room scale most likely um and then the world changed around you and and you know pulled the rug out of from under a lot of people but it also opened up a ton of new opportunities for people because now you can do a lot more and Okay, we work around the locomotion problem by just walking. That's great. That's a great temporary solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'd say, yeah, things like that. You know, it's not going to be what it is now. It's going to be something different. We don't know what that is yet. So yeah. we really have to stay super nimble. Yeah, because we don't know what how it's all going to change once there's eye trackers embedded in that. Yeah. Says, eye tracking, we, or facial windows, tracking. There's so many things. Locomotion, which is still not solved. <laughs> uh, machine vision in it. Uh, so you get like Sulon Cortex style mixed reality stuff. Yeah, yeah that's, that is going to be huge when Vive and Rift and Sony put um, stereo stereo cameras on the front of the headsets. I mean, it's a given. You, it, it makes sense. It makes so much sense from a practical point of view and from a, a developer's point of view. Like, you can do so much if you... Because um, that was the next thing. I, I was I was talking to James about this. And he, we had... We came out came down to this this notion that a lot of people can do... V, are going to get to the point where they can do VR. Where they can mock up something in Unity, spit it out, where they and then they can put someone in the headset, right? But, you know, what do you think is going to um, differentiate all the different teams that are working on this, on similar ideas, you know? And, and where we came down um, was in AI, where, where there's going to be teams out there that are going to implement AI more heavily into their VR, and that will sort of, you know, stand them out from the pack. But what else do you think will, will we see in terms of, you know, companies figuring out ways to edge each other out out there? I think, um, for me, the question I always have when I look at something is, what about this is better in VR than it could be on a monitor? Whatever, if it's a game, or if it's um, a business application, is like, what about this being in VR makes it something that is better than I could ever get on even a wall of monitors? And... um, the, the answer to that is, is different in a lot of cases. Sometimes it's the idea of depth and scale and mobility. Sometimes it's just the uh, it's the the sound and the environment. If it's a, more of an entertainment thing, um, it could be the ability to use my hands in big, large motions, like with tilt brush with art. All those things make it better in VR. I can't do tilt brush on a 2D monitor. Just can't. Or any of those art programs. So they're better in VR. Um, Longbow, you know, the, the lab, the arrow shooting game, um, can't do that in 2D. It has to be a VR game, and it's really satisfying. Um, all those things. So don't just take a 2D game and bring it into VR. Don't just take a 2D app and bring it into VR. Figure out what makes it better. That might be AI, because you do trade off some things. You trade off keyboard use. You trade off being able to look around the real world. But... Um, 
bring in AI, bring in chat, bring in web content, whatever. I'm a big fan of web VR, but um, you know, make it a better experience in VR. Something that that third dimension and that interaction gives you that you can't get on a laptop or a, or a monitor, and um, that will drive a market, and you'll discover a lot. That's what I think. That's what I would say. It seems very sensible, Carl. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree with John's answers on that. I think he. Uh, sounds good. And, uh, and you'd be surprised how many people don't do that. So when I talk to people about apps, like, yeah. don't please don't give me PowerPoint for VR. <laughs> please don't. Wait, wait a second there. Wait a second. But yet I'm something different than that. But I want I want um, the one problem that I've been uh, waiting for that I that I my, Steve and I we went we went like we spent a summer trying to figure it out. And then, and after after a summer, we realized like this is fucking hard. We were trying to figure out like the keyboard of VR mm-hmm. um, two summers ago, and we just we were just we were just trying to like brainstorm. We'll spend spend weeks and weeks thinking about like how we can try to implement a keyboard. Um, because the things that I want to do in VR right now are pretty mundane. I want to get work done. <laughs> I want to I want to figure out a way to get you know augment my ability to survive on the real on on, on planet earth with mm-hmm. with virtual reality and and that's the thing that i i wish there were a, a wider push for right. you know well i think the interim step is getting the keyboard in vr i mean it's it's you know putting a tracker or some some way to track where your keyboard is so you could find it right mm-hmm. um and then um you know, and then we can go beyond it. But I think as a first step, you have to at least be able to make it as good as 2D, and then you can make it better. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, voice recognition. Certainly, there's a lot that can be done there. Um, but again, that's one of these ones where we have our behavioral obstacles. Um, I, you know, some people use voice on their phones all the time for messages, and a lot of people don't and feel awkward talking to their phone. Mm-hmm. I would feel awkward talking to my VR. <laughs> Can I can Unless I give a, a person in Can there. I give a crazy answer? Please. Uh, this is a, this is a Chris Miranda answer. You're you're on is the that, right podcast for that. <laughs> yeah. I think keyboards need to die. Keyboards need to die. Keyboards need to die because I'm open minded. I'm all they're, ears. They're they're a relic of manual typesetting from the 1700s, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there there our our key layout is designed the way it is. The QWERTY keyboard is designed because mechanical typewriters couldn't keep up with the speed, so they made an inefficient keypad to slow typists down. That's true, and and so we we are this. You got this beautiful laptop here. Probably cost you a few thousand dollars, and it is perm- it is intentionally designed to make you inefficient. Mm. <laughs> Man, mind blown! I like so, that. I like that. I think we need to think, but we do need a way of encoding text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We need a way of efficiently encoding text. Some people can type faster, and the way you type and the way you talk is a little different. There's punctuation. There's yeah. data. We need a way to do that, and I think. I think somebody will come up with a way, maybe using VR, maybe using gestures, maybe using finger gestures, maybe using eye tracking because your eye is super fast, right? I mean, there could be there could be something that we've never tried before, um, which is we'd have to get good at, which might be just using where we look and maybe a, along with a hand gesture or a blink or something that allows us to encode text faster. Maybe a lot Oh, yeah. Way. You can be trained. Lachlan from uh, Fove, at, at, when he yeah. demoed at SVBR at one of our meetups, he uh, he typed out a sentence with his eye. Just, yeah. Just looking around. Yeah, and I've seen a, um, Jim um, Margraff did a good demo of iFluence before they got bought by Google. 
of, of basically, you know, how fast you can enter in data. I think that might be where we go. So the keyboard is kind of like, it's a dinosaur for us old dudes, mm -hmm. but we might come up with a way that my kids will just go, oh, yeah, I can just see it now. I'm going to be six years old and my, my kids are going to, I'm going to be struggling with my computer and they're going to come to me and just say, oh, you just have to think and blink this way and yeah. dart your eyes. And it'll be like, you know, how I do with my mom now where she has her mouse upside down, you know, <laughs> trying to navigate. And it's really confusing because it's so foreign, but kids are going to get it. We're yeah. going to figure it out. And I think keyboards are going to die and VR is going to kill it. Yeah. That's my crazy prediction for your podcast. I, yeah. That'll take a generational change though. Yeah, I, I still know. think we need the key we need to get at least as yeah, good well, as we Well, the keyboard's been that. sticking around for 300 years. I think we got a yeah. little while longer. But but I think another piece of the keyboard, just to talk about the keyboard problem, is getting controllers where you can use the keyboard while having controllers on your hand. Yeah. So um, you don't have to put something down to type, because yep. right now that's what we have to do, and it's super annoying. Would gloves feel more natural if, you, if the glove somehow projected a virtual reality keyboard in front of you or some form of interface? I mean, I, I agree. The keyboard interface needs to change. Yeah. But... You know what? What? What would it look like in VR? To like, you know, if 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 we didn't have eyes or mouth, you know, if all we had were fingers, like, what would that interface look like to use hands to type out words? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think a much more powerful version of autocorrect uh, yeah. would be one way, unless you're typing in truly like random strings of numbers for data or something, but like normal conversational text. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, we could limit our keystrokes because right now, you know, I don't even really have like the auto complete on my email, mm -hmm. but I could see, you know, with a powerful computer and knowing my speech patterns and text patterns, I think that could really help out to reduce the keystrokes so that maybe I could two finger type, you know, with a wand controller and, and have some pretty decent input capability. Yeah. If I was running code and like writing a program, that would be maybe a little challenging, but emails, no problem. Facebook posts. No problem. You can do those with voice, too. Let me ask you this. What are you guys' expectations for mobile VR this year? I asked Olivier JT about mobile VR, and he told me, quote, I don't give a shit about mobile VR. <laughs> oh, you love Olivier. <laughs> yeah. I'm, all, Olivier like, I'm hardcore. VR to death. I, yeah. don't, I don't give a shit about I mean, mobile VR. My honest answer is probably the same, personally. I mean, oh, God, Carl, I need to... I need it's, to... It's, well, it's, it comes down to this. Mobile VR is not good enough. It needs... It needs positional tracking. Um, otherwise, I don't think we should be giving it to people who are not developing for the next generation. Um, you know, it, it's good, fine in the industry and people that are, you know, VR developers and they're getting ready. But VR needs positional tracking. You get sick, even if you're not in an application that you're moving around a lot. There's just tiny micro movements, and your brain picks up on those, and you start to get, you know, a little hot sweat and or a little cold sweat in your head, and you start to feel a little bit off, and you're not sure what it is, but there's a fatigue. Uh, it's not good. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah. I think. Okay. But I. But that said, what's coming this year? I think positional tracking is coming this year. There's and like I, th a I bunch think it's gotten efforts. a lot better. I think you know that every iteration of mobile VR is better. Um, Gear VR is getting pretty good. The um, Daydream is pretty good. All you know, the cardboard, the original cardboard. Obviously, that was just not. That's not good. I gotta say, that's just not good. But um, I think it has its place. Here's the thing. The problem lies in the very name, mobile VR. Like, the reason you have your phone is so you can take it with you and do stuff outside in the world, walking around or whatever. You can't really do VR. Mobile VR is going to become AR. Yeah. Mobile VR is the, the egg that AR is going to hatch from. 
Aww. right? And VR is, and and eventually, and, and VR is going to be the thing that you do at the office or at home or to have a really intense experience. True. And um, eventually, those two things are going to merge, and it might be sooner than I think, yeah. which is I'm going to have one pair of glasses that I wear, and I'll go out and walk around, do my Starbucks thing, and I have my AR experience, and I go home, and I want to be... You know, a pilot on a spaceship, and it becomes my VR goggles, and I never even took it off. Yeah, that's the winning play for me. But mobile VR is great for riding on the train, the plane, sitting in the library, or watching something at home, watching a video at home, playing a few games. Um, but I think the AR market is coming to spank the mobile VR market if they don't do something. Mm, mm, yeah, that will, that will scratch that itch. That is, man. You thank you for scratching that itch. I've been itching to know more about you know uh, what mobile VR is going to look it's like. Just and my that's, opinion. That's a really good opinion. <laughs> that's a really good opinion. I mean, you're there's some, oof, yeah, because it seems to me like. Uh, but what about cloud renderers? Like, if, yeah, like, cloud rendering is really going to help. I think that solves the right now. Yeah, you can't render. You don't have the GPU on mobile yeah. anywhere near what you have on so, the desktop. 5G, yeah. But yeah, with yeah, cloud rendering absolutely will be a thing. I mean, we we are all close enough um, to a data center to get the latency into an acceptable range to do cloud rendering. So it is technically possible. Um, it's still really hard and just barely on the edge of you know the 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 everything has to be optimized and perfect, but it'll get there. Cloud rendering will get there, and I think we'll get positional tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was really surprised the first Daydream phones did not have it, but it seems like there's already been some announcements about some yeah, that are will. coming that will. Nice. Um, and I'm, I, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that the next Gear VR is going to have positional tracking or, or an upcoming Gear VR, and anyone else entering that space. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think it's just necessary. And then controllers are the other thing. How do you handle that on mm-hmm. mobile? Because it, it turns out that, you know, VR without controllers is only really half VR. <laughs> Once we had them, we, it's really hard to go back. It's great. Mobile VR is great for um, media consumption, watching Netflix, watching videos, um, like, you know, all, all that. And, and some casual games are, are great, too. And there's a market. I mean, there's, there's 5 million Gear VR users out there that are want to try new things. And I think that market is going to continue to grow. So that is not an insignificant market at this point. It's the largest VR market to serve right now. Um, so I don't think it's, you know, if we're talking future, that's what, you know, I said what I said. But uh, I think people who are developing for mobile VR will, will do okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's there's going to be so much change in that industry so fast because the mobile market moves so fast and AR is coming so hard and desktop... Desktop VR is getting so cheap. We're at $1,000 now, all in. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to throw gift cards on top of that. I mean, it's getting <laughs> cheaper for people to get decent VR home experiences. The price points are coming down. That's going to increase adoption. There's going to be new stuff. So, um, you know, like you said, this is for the future. I think in the future we're going to come back to this and go, wow, were we wrong about it? <laughs> <laughs> or you were like, whoa, whoa, are you Nostradamus yeah. or something? Well, if I was right, I got lucky. But... <laughs> But man, yeah. So AR, the AR headset is going to replace the VR headset. It's going to be birthed from that. If be, you, you, yeah. it, it makes total sense. It makes total sense to me. I mean, yeah. if you're working on mobile VR right now, you might as well be working on. You're missing a couple components, and you're working on AR, right? Yeah, but that's the thing. I don't think it's going to be a painful transition for developers. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to be a whole. There'll be some new thinking, some new UI, some new use cases, but. 
I, we're already seeing people kind of adopt augmented reality into their strategy for VR. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going to, it's not going to rock the developer's world. It's just going to open up new markets. Mm-hmm. What about content-wise? What do you have, uh, you know, what do you expect in terms of 2017? Um, you know, is there anything, uh, that, is there a game or a particular piece of software that you guys are sort of waiting for to be released? Uh, I have one. It's called Dreams from PSVR. I'm still waiting on that. Um, and I'm gonna wait for a while because they're they're, yeah. they're they're working on it um, and haven't released any info. But but yeah, what about you guys? Is there anything that you're sort of waiting for um, for this year? Or I'm I'm excited to see what the Windows holographic stuff does and I mean, how that's gonna work with the existing headsets. But what that enables because mm-hmm. suddenly Windows will have some native VR capabilities and. You know, what, yeah, what's that so, going to give us? Right. Like, so, could, potentially a lot. I don't know. <laughs> that could be, you know, like today. So today the news was Envelope closed their doors. Oh, oh yeah, what? Yeah. yeah, you didn't hear that? Oh, I scooped you? We Envelope and the Rigs. They're done. Studio 2. What? They're done. Yeah. What? Now here's the thing. It's kind of a surprising one, yes. So they had 4 million. <laughs> it's only been a year. Did they really burn through that? I mean, so Will, Will Mason was on Facebook and he posted, he's like, he thinks they got acquired. There was like some kind of backroom deal. I don't have no information at this point of what <laughs> happened, but because it seemed like a good idea. But you know, Windows Holographics coming out, mm-hmm. they had some interesting. There could be some yeah. interesting play there. And they're up in Seattle. Yeah, yeah Microsoft it seemed like they were well positioned Microsoft to get acquired by Microsoft. Microsoft. Said, come in, or or, or maybe and, they just saw that Microsoft was doing all the yeah, things that they were doing, and there was no room down for them. Yeah. Microsoft that's going to crush them. So get out all the yeah. games. Get I don't know. I don't know what happened, but but I think you know the Microsoft sees an opportunity. That they could capitalize on with holographic to take advantage of the massive install base of applications and data and IT departments that they own and bring them into the AR and VR world. And that's pretty interesting. Um, More interesting than Apple? Or just as interesting as Apple, because it feels like here's the thing about about Microsoft and Apple. It's like they're 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 these two giants, right? And yet it seems like People would be more hyped about Apple jumping in the game yeah. than they Microsoft. Would. I would be more hyped by Microsoft because you know it's it's a more open ecosystem mm-hmm. and the value there to, to the industry is just so much more. Whereas Apple could do something and get a lot of value for themselves, but you know not necessarily for anyone else in VR and not necessarily even the right thing for the consumers because they get kind of locked in. You know. Yeah. I mean. You know, Apple's so interesting because like you know I'm on. Facebook a lot. I'm mean, Facebook's kind of been my thing. So, so I see Robert Scoble posts a lot. He's a huge. I wouldn't. I guess he's an Apple fanboy, but he's like he, he's like oh Apple's definitely going to do it this year, and he's got a lot of evidence. I'm not saying he's got a bad argument. He's got a really good argument. The question is, Apple absolutely has the resources, the people, the talent, the vision, but execution is hard, and this is a brand new thing. And you know they invented the iPhone. But they've also invented some really bad products that never went anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So it's hard to come up with a good product, and they have a good shot. And uh, and and the thing is, because they're clo- the reason my point is because they're kind of a closed ecosystem. If their product isn't good, nobody else is going to come in and fix it for them. Yeah, there's no room for the, yeah. They got yeah, to be right. They got to hit out. it out of yeah. the park for it to work. If they don't hit it out of the park, they'll launch it. They'll keep it quiet. They'll kill it. They'll move on. I mean, Apple Newton, innovative product, killed it. Came back, you know, ten years later as the iPhone, maybe or something like that. But um, yeah. so they, 
Apple's another company you can't count out. They have enough money and talent to go for 50 years. Ironically, they would have to develop on a Windows PC because there are no Apple PCs strong enough to run VR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it used to gotta, be, yeah. Used gotta, to be that gotta, the fastest Windows laptop was a Mac, and now you they, can't get really, a Mac that will do VR. Yeah, big winners here in, in the whole VR AR world is in, in NVIDIA and, and AMD because everything is GPU hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's more headsets coming out this year for sure. Uh, I know that AMD has a 4K headset somewhere in the wings. Um, they were talking about it. They're like, "Yeah, we have it, but we're not gonna tell you when, when, when we're gonna release it or if it's gonna be released." It's a more of a reference design, I believe. Is it really? Ah, oh. Nvidia probably has one too. So it's it's not something that they're gonna release for sure. We know that. Uh, I think Nvidia is super happy just powering. You just you know, I don't think they want to ma- make anybody mad because everybody needs their stuff right now. That's true. I could be wrong, but I, yeah, I think they're going to work on reference designs yeah. and, and yeah, they're always exploring out. new things. But I, I would be surprised if they came out with a headset. Yeah, yeah. I think well, the, the takeaway from all of this is that uh, 2017 is going to be a bit of a. It's still going to be a rough year for for independent developers in VR. When but, has it not been a rough year for independent developers? Seriously, everybody has this romantic notion about being an independent developer because there has been some great... St- but e- even before VR came along, I, my Steam library, I you know got several hundred games in it, and there's a lot of starving developers that are in that list of games. There's, I mean, for every notch, there's 10,000 developers that are just like getting one download or 100 downloads or something. It's not like... In, being an indie developer has never been an easy path. That being said, the people who are going to uh, be the happiest in 2017 are NVIDIA and AMD because people are going to be buying their graphics cards up and down. Yeah, Yeah, we all Uh, need GPUs. (laughs) So we're bringing things down to a close, gentlemen. Do you have any final comments or thoughts in the back of your mind or in your hearts that you want to let out for the Internet Hive mind to know about? Um. I'll let you think again. For think, think, Carl. Think All right. Um, I think you know it, uh, the reason. Okay, I, I want to say because you know we've had this conversation. The reason I got into VR is I think VR is fundamentally uh, could be a transform transformative technology for humanity. And I know that sounds really highfalutin, whatever, but like it can really change how we relate to each other. Just the way, you know, in the way that the phone, the radio way back when allowed a person's voice to be heard by hundreds or thousands of people across huge distances was just amazing. Um, And then TV and then telephone and then internet chat rooms and all that. VR is going to allow people to come together and have a level of interaction and intimacy in their relationships and I don't mean that in a creepy way. I mean, like, in a real way of, like, having friendships. I have friendships and people in VR that I have not met in person. And um, I think those are more meaningful than you could have in, in any kind of 2D form, partly because of how our brains are wired. I think now, in this world that we're in in 2017, the ability to have those interactions with people in social VR or in games or, or chat... Um, and, and to put people in a 360 environment of Syria or Europe or the United States to let people kind of experience firsthand what other people's lives are like, it's the best tool we've ever had to let somebody walk in another person's shoes and have conversations. 
that we have ever had as a species, mm-hmm. I think it has the potential to really help us. It feels like the smartphone has dehumanized the way we communicate, and it seems like VR is going to bring back sort of the ways, the natural ways we we interact with each other. You know, I hope so. I I'm with you. I'm crossing my fingers, John. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. And I, I think that's that's really, I think you're really touching on, I think the most important thing that we should be thinking about for 2017 is the impact, the, the way we deploy technology matters. We can't just throw this stuff out there and see what happens. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I, look, we're, we're, we're in the Bay Area where the world has gone crazy, it seems, to everyone in the Bay Area. And I think that the, part of this is a result of like people not really understanding how to relate or work with new technologies, like super, super short form technologies and where, you know, one liners and Twitter and all this stuff, I, I think has kind of the filter bubbles around that has is you know at least partially responsible for where we are right now which you know to a lot of us feels like a crazy place and um i think it just really points out how important it is to think about how we implement these technologies so i think you know my standpoint i i think open ecosystems because closed ecosystems terrify me um, you know there's I, I think that um yeah there's just a lot of a lot of thinking that needs to be done and there's some level of responsibility among the people that create new technologies and technology platforms uh, to make sure that these things are not harming society the way they're rolled out. And I think it's not just a matter of just throw it out there and see what happens. I think we kind of have to pay attention to how people are using it, the good and the bad. You know, sometimes the thing that is good and gets you the most clicks is not actually good for those people that are clicking it. It's actually hurting humanity that you're making money off of. You have to be careful of that. We have to think about it and we have to kind of get some feedback cycles going and feedback um about you know how people are using it what we can change to make it better and and really take some responsibility as technologists for you know we're throwing this crazy high-tech technology at the entire world and saying here here's some crazy stuff that's going to throw turn your world upside down and take your jobs and do all these other things you know have fun with it um i think we need to actually think about how we're rolling this stuff out and I don't know what that means exactly, but I think it's something that we all really need to think about because this is a really powerful technology, and I, I, I just imagine a, a VR version of a filter bubble could be, because it is so much more immersive and so much more powerful, could actually be really dark if it's done the wrong way. Now, I'm an optimist about this technology. I think there's more good than bad, but I think we need to be a little bit cautious. With those words, uh, gentlemen, uh, we're going to bring things to a close. I couldn't have said it better, Carl. I'm so glad there's people like you guys leading the Rebel Alliance, thinking about the things you're thinking about. And, you know, um, and I'm shocked. I'm honestly shocked. I got through this podcast without talking about Trump until Dildonic. So thank you guys for not letting me go that route. How can people stay in touch? How can people follow what you're doing and all that good stuff? Um, On Twitter? SVVR Live, all one word. Nice. Uh, on Facebook, we have Silk. We have a page, which is kind of the official announcements page. We also have a groups page where you can post stuff about what you're working on and have a chat. Uh, and then uh, we have our meetup, uh, meetup.com. You can join it, find out what we're up to, get on our mailing list. Even if you're out of the area, uh, we use that list to kind of let people know what's happening. And, and there's uh, links to all of this stuff on SVVR.com. Yep. And our and the site for our, the the annual expo is vrexpo.com. But there's links 
everything from svvr.com. You'll find you'll find it all. Sweet. Everything will be linked in the show notes. Uh, thanks again, guys. Thank thanks. you, Chris. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Keep doing it.